I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. Good morning. Man, it was nice to wear sunglasses these last few days. <laughs> it's been been a pleasant stretch of weather, hasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. you know, being a farmer, you take a look at these the sunshine and the warm breezes, really with with mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's the same for you, Dave Corbett, but ah, oh, that sunshine on my face. I'm wearing sunglasses and I'm listening to the ice drip. Yep. And then I'm listening to, and then I'm walking through mud that's getting deeper. Yeah, we're heading into mud season. Deeper. And the ice that yeah. forms overnight. I don't know about you, but every single tracks, uh, tractor track is glare ice. Right. Yep. Yeah. Talk about, yeah, I'm sort of creeping along when I walk. Mm-hmm. Just trying to avoid any kind of accident. You and me but, both. Yeah. But you know, as the weather is getting warmer, I'm actually beginning to do some, uh, workouts, but it's not my muscles I'm working out. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to actually eat more honey ah. because I am preparing for this special event on March 28th mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities. It is the fifth annual Dandelion Honey Pastry Chef Challenge. Oh, boy. That's put on by Bee's Knees. I love that. Yeah, it, it's an amazing event. Went last year. There were hundreds of people there. There mm. were dozens and dozens of chefs featuring these these amazing, uh, both savory and sweet productions. Mm-hmm. It was outstanding. And it was also kind of cute because there were roller skating bees <laughs> that were helping us uh, with, with drinks and making sure that wow. all of us that, who were there were really well treated and it really made a very visceral connection between a really critical issue and you know we've had we've talked about this before Dave Corbett the importance of bees and other pollinators Mm -hmm. to American food supply and the threats that they are facing and it was which really can be a big blow to both farmer and food lover alike but we've got someone here this morning in studio who can help us make so many connections about the problems, the solutions, and this great event. It's Christy Allen, the founder and owner of Bees Knees. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. It's such a pleasure. Um, my Last year was the first time I went to your event, the fourth annual, and I was blown away. I could not believe the hustle and bustle and the energy level in the room as so many of us kind of circulated around trying out these amazing (laughs) foods and the samples were good sized and so many and listening to your speakers why did you pull together this event what sparked that yeah the event itself was inspired by um, a tragic incident as a a couple beekeepers in minneapolis in 2013 experienced um, what are called acute pesticide poisonings on uh, our honey beehives. So 
We had a hive at Blake School in Minneapolis, and there were two other beekeepers within a quarter mile that overnight lost uh, the majority of their bees to a pesticide application. So we mobilized and formed uh, a group called Healthy Bees, Healthy Lives, and we started uh, contacting our representatives and um, testified five times at the Capitol and were successful in getting two um, bee-friendly laws on the books in Minnesota. And as a part of that campaign, we threw this party, and the idea was uh, that we gave the chefs dandelion honey, which is uh, donated by my aunt and uncle's bee farm, Barbell Bee Ranch. And uh, dandelion honey, I don't know if you've, well, you've had it now, but it's really delicious and kind of unique. And so the chef's the the one rule is they can't use any other sweetener, so it's just honey in in these uh, sweets and savories. Um, and the first year we had uh, our former mayor R.T. Ryback and uh, Megan O'Hara, his wife, there as our MCs, and then celebrity judges. Uh, and we just we had a bagpiper, and we just kind of made it like. Uh, like you said, like the, there's a lot going on. It's sweet. It's kind of like the inside of a beehive. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because right. there's always a buzz going on. Yeah. You mentioned your family's, your aunts and uncles' farm, mm -hmm. the Barbell Bee Ranch. Yeah. And my understanding from your website, which I absolutely love because it is fun. Got it's got fun information uh, relayed in a way that's really. I think, uh, accessible to people who don't have bees and who've never been on a farm. So what role did that farm play in this entire evolution towards bees? Yeah, it was pretty instrumental. I mean, I, I after college, went down to Arkansas and uh, learned about colony collapse disorder from a, a scientist from our uh, University of Arkansas. But then uh, after I left my time working there for a year, I spent a summer with my aunt and uncle um, processing honey, extracting honey, and, and I had my first exposure to bees. And when you become a beekeeper, or if you become a beekeeper, and I teach classes now, and, and you'll know right away if someone wants to be one because they, they lean in and they're excited rather than they like are scared and sort of nervous. So I was absolutely, the, the minute, the smell, the experience, the buzzing, and learning about these incredible animals and the connection to food, um, and the fact that they're really struggling uh, in our current environment, really, it was that was the spark that started this crazy business. <laughs> uh, the business. Okay, so explain what Bees Knees LLC currently encompasses. What are the activities? What What's your kind of focus? Yeah, and uh, as brief as I can be, we, we do a lot of things. We're, we're very uh, diverse at this point, but honey production and delivery by bicycle, both um, we have these pedal-powered honey extractors that we use to extract our honey, but we also rent them out to hobby beekeepers. So it is the first ever pedal-powered honey house, community-focused honey house in the nation that I, I mean that I know of. Um, we're starting to sell those retail this year, so that's a really exciting new thing. Uh, getting the extractors those, the themselves. Extractors themselves. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes, and hopefully we, we can bring it to other countries. Um, but we also teach classes, this Camp Bees Knees, which is a 14-week intensive beekeeping program, and it's really designed for people who are thinking about becoming beekeepers or they already are beekeepers and they can't get their hives to survive through the winter. Um, and and it's a, it's a hands-on, it's a pretty realistic time commitment to what it's like to have hives, and there's a huge demand and interest uh, in beekeeping right now. So it's just another 
um, we're hoping to be another resource to serve that. And we also started selling beekeeping equipment at our honey house in Minneapolis um, to be accessible to to that community. Um, the other thing we do is we partner with uh, universities, museums, like-minded institutions that want to support bees and we put hives on their property and then we source the honey by the zip code. So it's very... <laughs> wow, talk yeah. about hyper-local. <laughs> yeah. Um, some woman you know, years ago was like, I want honey from my zip code. And I was like, you're crazy. And then I was like, wait, I can, I could probably do that. So they're all taste a little different and, and people really like it. Well, let me just interrupt you for a yeah. second there, Christy, because I'm just amazed by a couple of things that you said. One was that someone wanted that kind of local identification. Mm. I want it from my zip code. So you were meeting a market demand. And the other one was your response, yes, I can do it. <laughs> and I just find this astounding at a time when legislation in the United States was removed for country of origin labeling. Mm. So we can't even find out where some of our food is mm -hmm. from. But here we can see that there is a demand. People want to know where is this coming from and how wonderful that it's been kind of sliced into what you're doing about yeah. bees. And the honey industry um, is, you know, in trouble in that regard in that a lot of honey that is coming in, um, it's hard to identify where the source is because it's being uh, micro-filtered, the pollen, which is kind of the DNA of that honey um, in, in certain imported honey, adulterated honey, which you don't know, you know, they'll, they'll say like, oh, it's from these three countries. And then, and then you have no idea if it's really even honey, there might be sugar syrup in it. So fraud. Right. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly we've, we've seen some articles, if you know, you care about food, you've seen some articles out there about the fraud mm -hmm. in the honey that you might find on a food shelf uh, in your local grocery store, as we have also heard about the fraud in the olive oil industry. Mm -hmm. So trying to find sources that you can trust yeah. is a big issue right now. So thank you, Bees Knees, <laughs> for, for helping us find sources close to us. So you've got this 14-week intensive program. That's amazing. And you've worked on getting legislation mm -hmm. passed in Minnesota. Can you tell us what that's like? What, what kind of legislation was it? Yeah, so uh, that was the first time I had ever really engaged that closely with, um, with my government, which is something that since then I, I really think we need to be doing more of. Um, one testifier when I went said, if you're not, um, and he was a farmer and he was like, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And, and that always stuck with me. Like people are going to make decisions for you if you're not representing yourself. Granted, there's much larger things we fight on a political level, but that's beside the point. Uh, to answer your question, we wanted to ban certain pesticides and work at a city level, but there's a state level called preemption that doesn't allow local municipalities to make decisions mm -hmm. without the state. And, and a lot of politicians are using this now for other issues. So that's what we wanted, but the representative we were working with, um, Representative Rick Hansen, was, took us into this situation. Um, there's one that nurseries and anyone selling plants couldn't label it as bee friendly unless it hadn't been treated with a pesticide. So we found out through this experience that most seeds and plants were coming pre-treated with insecticides that are harmful to pollinators. And so, you know, it's a truth in advertising bill. It doesn't prevent them from selling them, but they can't like 
market it as this is good for your, you know, plant this flower. So that was one that has was put on the books and then has been weakened a little bit since, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> um, and then the other one was was a big deal. It was a uh, beekeeper compensation bill. So the pesticide kill that we experienced, if it were ever to happen to us again, which it did, um, you file a report and, and then go under an investigation with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. They come out and do samples. And then if it's proved to be linked to pesticides, you get compensated by the pesticide reg regulatory body of this, uh, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. That's a good law to know about. Yeah. Um, the problem with it is that they changed it and you have to now be registered online with this program called Drift Watch, which is a voluntary program um, where you mark the location of your hives and then pesticide applicators have to look and make sure that they don't spray. But when we experienced our second pesticide kill in 2015, it was from corn planting and the dust that comes off the seed because they're, they're pre-coated with neonicotinoids. And when they drill the seed into the soil, if it's a windy day, um, and, and not even that, the talc, like the powder that is toxic, balloons up and and it gets all over the flowers that the bees are feeding on and then the bees as well that is a picture i would not have anticipated right you've you've just kind of opened a window for me that is kind of scary it is very frightening and um it, that was in 2015 that we experienced that and luckily the the landowner we partnered with was home to see this happen and then we saw the effect on our bees and we went through the investigation and we got we were the first beekeepers in the state to get compensated so you here you have us in 2014 testifying and fighting for these laws and then we're benefiting from those laws in 2015 as a result of it you know it, it makes me think of a of a of a reality amongst many many farmers where you are handling seeds yeah that are coated yeah I mean, they're pink, they're green, they're blue, they're purple, and that's because of the chemicals that they've been coated with in order to suppress either insects or, mm -hmm. or weeds. In my mind, I thought, well, that's bad enough. You don't want to handle this stuff, right. much less eat anything that's coming off of it. But to understand that it could have that dramatic effect just being drilled into the ground to a nearby hive, it makes me think of the bees as, the, of, as a canary in the coal mine. Well, that's exactly it. While I'm a, a beekeeper and I, I love honeybees and, and, you know, they are for agriculture and making honey and, and pollinating as well, but we have to think about the over 400 species of native bees we have just in the state of Minnesota. And um, bumblebees last year have been put on the endangered species list, so we have monarchs and others so it really highlights a bigger problem and and i being in this world for the last eight years there's sometimes this argument of native bees versus honeybees honeybees aren't native but the honeybees really we can see that they're managing we can, when we manage them we can see what's going on with them and that has really highlighted what what else is going on out there so You've, you've participated in all of this uh, advocacy work mm -hmm. and become uh, familiar now with what goes on at both a local and a state level. And you are going to be again hosting this wonderful celebration in March. How, you've got partners. Yeah, lots in of partners. Lots of partners. Yeah. Why do you think you have lots of partners? And can you name some of them? I'd love to. Um, I think it's very... If you think like a bee, uh, you need lots of people doing what they're good at in order to make a powerful thing happen. And so 
Um, our sponsors this year are Chow Girls, Killer Catering, um, and Lake Winds Food Co-op, Eastside Food Co-op, Mississippi Market, uh, Seward Community Co-op, and the Wedge Co-op. Um, my aunt and uncle's Barbell Bee Ranch and Peace Coffee and Minnesota Roller Girls. And I'll just say that the food co-ops, without those food co-ops, my honey, that's where I sell a lot of my honey. And they're really supportive to small local farmers. And that's extremely important for beekeepers because you need healthy, diverse landscapes. And, and if we have places that can really pay a good price for that food and, and, and uh, supply a place for farmers to do that, then we will have healthier ecosystems. We're also partnering with Polar Explorer and Bancroft, who will be speaking. And this last year, we actually, uh, inspir- inspired by her, her recent expeditions, she's going down um, uh, the Mississippi River this fall with a group of women from six different continents trying to raise awareness about water quality. Well, the same issues affecting pollinators with um, certain agricultural practices are really polluting our water. And so we're trying to get people to think on a, a broader scale. Um, and if we keep our water clean and, and do those practices, it will have that ripple effect of helping our pollinators be healthy and other animals. You know, it's so good to hear about the many ways that we can participate Mm -hmm. in this larger, larger effort. So things that we can do either on our farms or uh, on our urban lot that help keep the water clean. And that's all about pesticides and herbicides. Whether you're doing it on a small scale or a large scale, it's all ending up in our water supply. Right. And we chose dandelion honey for for a good reason. I mean, that's one of the quote-unquote weeds that... um, people want to get rid of but in fact it is one of the first major nectar sources for pollinators in the springtime so why do we hate dandy why do we need the green lawn why you know what it's it's more about what we're looking at than rather what it's serving as a larger part of a system well i love to hear that because (laughs) i don't mind dandelions in my lawn um i'm sure other people do and I love Creeping Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, from part of the mint family. Bees, bees really love it. And I get it. It's hard. You know, we work with universities who have these campuses and they want them to look a certain way. But I want to challenge people to, to look at thing, beauty in a, in a different way. Um, it's key to this. <laughs> well, you know, and I think we can because certainly at one time people didn't want any kind of wild prairie. Right. On right. their land. And now they're paying hundreds of dollars in acres to restore them. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, because of what those wild prairie grasses and different kinds of herbs and legumes can do for Mm -hmm. us. Your honey is being carried at the food co-ops, and certainly Mm -hmm. you make these deliveries. Mm -hmm. You work with restaurants as well? Yeah, we have um, a couple of restaurants. Surly Brewery, their restaurant, we make a weekly delivery to them, so that's really wonderful. And the chef there, Ben Pine, is a a beekeeper himself. Um, And Draft Horse, which if you haven't been there, is a wonderful little spot, the Irish kind of influenced fair. Um, We keep bees on that roof, and they put the honey in a lot of their dishes. Um, Peace Coffee, Coffee Shop uses it in in all of their uh, drinks, I believe. Um, And then there's several others. Now you yourself have like 150 or so hives that you manage personally. Mm -hmm. Some of these are in urban areas. So you mentioned on the roofs of different places. Do you ever have them in like a residential area? The University of Minnesota Bee Squad works with 
some private clients. Um, I wanted to, I was really interested in getting the message out about bees and, and the most efficient way to do that is to work with larger communities. So for example, St. Kate's University, we have hives there um, and the president, you know, they buy all the honey and then we put their name in the zip code and then um, information about, you know, keeping bees healthy and and then that gets disseminated to however many people are there easier than you know trying to work with one you know person in a backyard that's what the camp bees knees is for they come to us and practice on our bees and then we're able to to communicate with them that way so so you're actually teaching an an army of people right and i i'd actually don't you know keeping bees in the city is fine except you have to be very um cognizant of disease transmission because it's like a smaller area right Mm -hmm. and so we're seeing some ill effects of um if bees aren't managed properly then disease can spread very easily so keeping bees in the city isn't necessarily something i'm super behind except i i really like that it it engages the public in a way that we haven't really seen um, before so it's an interesting place to be, but I do most of my hives. The large majority of them are along the St. Croix River Valley out here. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I found interesting in and of itself is that your bee camp, so mm-hmm. the place where people can come to learn about bee keeping, keep, beekeeping, um, is 14 weeks long. Yeah. I think you're making a real effort to make sure that people learn enough so that they don't have the problems that you just kind of outlined. Well, right, because it, I mean, as beekeepers, we have a responsibility to take care. Just like if you're a farmer, you have to take care of your animals or your neighbors are going to get upset, <laughs> right? Um, and with bees, the way they, they forage three to five miles, that's over 8,000 acres of a radius. And so, um, and they, they'll go into other hives. And, and, and so you have to really be sure that you're doing the best you can. And so we want to make sure that people have that proper hands-on experience before they get into it. How would a farmer get into this? I mean, are you still looking for places to put out hives or what, what, what would we do? Farmers who want bees contact a local beekeeper and you know, there's no, there, there's probably a lot of people who are looking for spots. Um, some people, like some farmers who are wanting pollination for apple trees or things like that, uh, will pay beekeepers for that service. Um, however, you have to be a little careful with fruit tree growers. If they're not o- organic, that's really going to be hard on the, on the hive. Or at least working with the farmer and the beekeeper, communicating about when, what is being sprayed when. If somebody wants to find out more about bees knees llc and about the event where should they go yeah i would say uh, the bees knees delivery.com is our website um the the pastry chef challenge uh is the bees knees delivery.com slash pastry chef five we have a facebook page bees knees delivery a twitter account at the bees knees honey and an instagram the bees knees delivery well i was curious um what do you do with your bees in the winter time so I'm, uh, I, I stay, I, they stay where they're at. Okay, so I don't, don't move the bees. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's something that is, it's really hard. You know, bees are struggling to be healthy mm-hmm. uh, in general. And so working with a lot of smaller scale beekeepers to figure out systems where you can get them to survive mm-hmm. through the winter. Is winter hard on a bees? It, it can be. If they, if they have enough to eat and they're healthy, they can make it through. I mean, I have, you know, we had a pretty... Pretty mm-hmm. hard, a normal right. winter, I would say here, yeah. and and uh, you know, there's quite a few that that can make it through. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my uncle, you know, he's a commercial beekeeper and a large majority of them either bring their bees to California for the almond p- bloom, which is happening uh, right now, okay. or um, Texas where they, they breed bees in Texas because they can start earlier. There's a lot of beekeepers in Texas as really? well. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You did do a, a time in a farm in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You also spent some time in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Are we finding the same kind of problems in the various places that you've been? Yeah, so so the the problems got progressively worse kind of after those those experiences I had and I wasn't experienced enough as a beekeeper to really kind of be able to investigate too much, but it is a worldwide problem. The the use of pesticides and their exposure to bees in addition to they um, are plagued by this, what's called a varroa mite, mm-hmm. um, and it spreads viruses and disease uh, like limes, like through, you know, similar to a tick, but it, it feeds on the bees' fat bodies. Uh, and then through their mouths, they spread these viruses. And so if the bees are, are weakened, and habitat loss is a big thing too. I mean, the more we switch over landscapes to one or two crops, that mm-hmm. does not serve pollinate they need diversity um and so they uh aren't their immune systems are compromised and then they aren't able to detoxify the the pesticides um and and be healthy so that's yeah wow so it's a one two three punch with the varroa mites the pesticides and the loss of habitat yeah and it makes it complicated right so you you want to work with farmers and, and and nobody wants to kill bees but um, we need to be thinking at things on like a holistic level, right? And that's the point of this event. And what we're going to talk about is this connection, you know, like it's, it's all connected. It's in the water. It's, it's getting into the flowers, into your food, into your bodies, things like that. And, um, we need to start as a society looking closer at our, our, our priorities, really. Can you tell us uh, again when the event is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on March 28th. It'll be at the Solar Arts Building, um, which is above Indeed Brewery in Northeast Minneapolis. So 711 15th Avenue, um, Northeast. And it's from 6 to 9 p.m. That uh, It's a Wednesday evening. All right. And there'll be loads and loads and loads of honey-based pastries, both savory and sweet. Yeah, and I'm really excited. This year we have two chefs from this area coming. So this will be our first Wisconsin-Minnesota um, uh, competition. So Cafe Ren is sending some ladies and um, also Watershed Cafe in Osceola. And they're really great at working with the local farming community around here. Uh, and then we have some big heavy hitters that win every year. So <laughs> um, Chef Shack, who she took first last year. And they're all women chefs. We're trying to really give. I the, didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a rule I've had since the beginning because all the, the workers in a hive are female. Um, female chefs never really get recognize quite like male chefs do and so we're we're trying to you know make this about all all the ladies yeah oh my gosh i hadn't realized that <laughs> okay so can you give us your websites again yeah so uh com, and it's spelled with z's not s's um we do have a healthy bees healthy lives.com which talks about the advocacy arm of the business and why we're doing this whole event in the first place Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% 
grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.